Well, hello, hello. How you doing? How you doing? This is the S. Anthony Says Podcast. This is the S. Anthony Thomas. And this is episode number 265. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you very, very much for stopping back to my longtime sass bastards and to my new sass bastards. Welcome. You know, folks, I was thinking about some things, you know, uh, I got to get a couple of repairs done and I got to stockpile a little bread before I get those repairs done. They'll get done, but they won't get done as quickly as I would like them to get done. And that's the problem when you don't have enough bread. I remember being really super duper duper mega ultra broke. And the funny thing is, even when you're broke, you can actually have good things. You can have good, nice things in your house. You can splurge on something good and nice. Maybe you're treating yourself. But a lot of times we overextend to get that good, nice thing. And I've been there, too, when I was in my 20s. I really was. But here's the thing. When a person has some money and they get a nice thing, if that nice thing gets messed up or stolen or blown up or broken, they can afford to get it fixed or replaced. It's a minor annoyance to them because they can just get it done. Right? I remember uh, when I was living with a girlfriend and, and it was like before... I remember earlier it was like, oh man, the bills, the bills, the bills. Then when I started, we started doing the bills at the table, it was like, eh, let's pay the bills. Oh, that's broken. Uh, let's get another one. You know, you know, that, that was, you know, not you weren't not rich, just a regular lower middle class couple. You know, it was it was just okay. You know, you know, you could do some things. I Maybe mean, you can go on vacation or something. You know, you, you can't. You're not rich, but you, you know, you can pay your bills. But I know what it was like to not be able to pay crap. And I mean, when you got something nice for yourself, you had to guard that crap with everything that you had. Right. If somebody sneezed towards your television, you're going to wait a second. That sneeze might actually break the screen. A sneeze can't break the screen. Do you know that for sure? You know, <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? You just had to protect everything. When I was a young guy. That was the beginning of the sneaker craze. You know, when people would buy the best sneakers and the greatest sneakers and the coolest sneakers. And I got these Jordans and they get these Jordans and double Jordans and quadruple Jordans and all of that crap. And you walked around with your best shoes on and everybody it was like a shoe showcase. Everybody goes, look at those shoes and look at these shoes and look at those shoes. Hey, your shoes are nice. My shoes are nice. But those shoes. And then there was always a guy that walked in. Oh, you got the Jordans, the triple Jordans. I got the quintuple Jordans. Y'all a bunch of losers. I hate that guy. You know what I'm saying. But you only had the one pair of sneakers and you guarded those sneakers with everything that you had. Because it's a kind of a stereotype and a joke now where people go, man, you stepped on my shoes and people would fight. Well, I got news for you. That was not a stereotype. When I was a teenager, when people were buying those sneakers and the sneakers crazes and all that crap started, you better not step on anybody's sneakers. You better not step on anybody's brand new shoes. You better not spill a drop of somebody's brand new silk shirt. You better not unless you felt like rolling around on the ground. Now, if you really, really think about it, if you think about it logically, somebody accidentally steps on your sneakers, then you get into a fight. Yes, maybe you win the fight. But now you got blood all over your silk shirt. And quite frankly, you probably got mad and threw one of your shoes at the bastard. And now your shoes down the drain. If you would have just said, oh, that's cool, man. Just be careful, man. And went down and wiped your shoes. You wouldn't have been rolling on the ground, punching each other in the face. You dumb bastards. But that's the thing, man. You had that one thing. It was so valuable and precious to you. You got to guard those sneakers. You got to guard them. Got to guard them. Got to guard them. 
nowadays everybody kind of has 45,000 pairs of sneakers. They still get mad when you step on them, but all they do is give you a mean look and then pull out their special shoe cleaning kit that they had in their back pocket and clean their shoes and their special travel dryer that they have in their trunk. They put their shoes in, press the button, my shoes are now dry. You're lucky I had my travel dryer and my travel shoe cleaner, you bastard. You're lucky. Okay, that does not exist, but I'm pretty sure at some point it will. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing I was trying to point out is, is that when you don't have a lot of bread, you don't have a lot of money, when you're broke, you kind of learn how to live without things, right? Because you can't replace those things. So you learn to live without things, right? You know, I remember having a, 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 a leaky pipe under under the faucet in in the, in my my kitchen in a, I'm sorry in my bathroom in L.A. and I did not have enough money because I just moved out to L.A. and this is my first apartment I just did not have enough money to get it fixed I went to the landlord or the landlord could you fix it <laughs> no punk we ain't fixing Jack you're lucky we don't throw your punk ass out you young punk it was kind of weird that the guy talked then like I talk now <laughs> okay he didn't say it that way but you get the point. And I found that it would cost 150 bucks for the person to replace the pipes because the landlord literally goes, well, there was nothing wrong with the pipes before you got here. I'm going, well, how long have the pipes been there? Well, this is 1994. So the pipes have been here 97 years. <laughs> it's like the pipes had been there. I'm serious. You know, they, 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 you know, they, it's like, you know, George Washington said, the pipes in Miss Anthony's rooms several years from now, they shall be still working. And the only thing was, I just happened to be the one that came into the apartment and took the apartment over at the point where the 9,000 year old pipes burst. Right. I pulled open the damn things. I looked under there, see if it was something I could fix myself. You know, and it was, it turned out the, 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 the hole, the crack was in a really bad place where you couldn't tape it. You literally had to replace the pipes, right? And it started to drip on stuff down there. And it started to smell bad. And the reason, I realized that the reason it smelled that bad was because there was a sandal down there. And I took the sandal out and it said, property of Jesus the Christ. And I went, good Lord, these pipes have been here for a long time. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Jesus' sandal was not under there, but his pocket watch was. <laughs> I'm not good at history. Now, listen. So I decided to fix the, I decided to fix the pipe myself and I couldn't. There was nothing I could do. Right. And I, so what I did was I put a, a cup under there. And the first time when I put the cup under there, it, it took a, it took about 12 hours for the drip that was coming down to fill the cup. And I started going, well, if it takes 12 hours, I'm usually never out of the house more than about nine or 10 hours. So, you know, you know, I'll come back after, you know, I'll change clothes and then I'll dump out the cup and I'll put it back down and then I'll go to the clubs and do my shows and whatever. And then I'll come back. No big deal. A month goes by. Now I realize that now that cup is full really fast. So now I put a small one of those little punk flower pots that were underneath it. And the flower pot's a little bit bigger than the cup. Okay, it's a lot bigger than the cup. And I'm going, okay, well if the cup is twelve hours, I did the math, okay, at this rate, this 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 flower pot should 
should take about 10 hours to, to fill up at the rate that it got. That's good. That's enough time. I'm usually only out of the house about nine hours anyway. No big deal. I'll be fine. I leave. Another month goes by and now the flower pot is not enough. And I take the flower pot under there and I put a bucket under there and I'm going, well, this damn bucket better last 12 hours because it's the biggest bucket that'll fit under there and I can't bed that then and some time goes by and now the bucket gets full. So now I literally have to come back to the house to turn the water off, to, to take the bucket out and dump it, and then go back to the club. I know what you're thinking. S. Anthony, why don't you just turn off the water under there? If you turn off the water under there, you don't have a problem. <laughs> that was broken as well. Couldn't turn the water off. Don't you think I would have turned the water off if I could have turned the water off, you bastards? How dare you? Back to the story. But the thing about it was I learned to live with it. I learned to come back and put the bucket underneath and to dump the bucket and to go to the club and to tell some jokes. Then to go between shows, get back in the car, drive back to the house, put the bucket underneath, buck a bop de bip, scoop a doop bip, dop a dip de bip, and it never changed. And eventually I was able to stockpile enough bread and I got the damn thing fixed myself. And that slick-ass landlord trying to be slick, trying to be cool, you know, saying, hey, what's going on? I got the plumber for you. You ain't get the damn plumber. You probably waited till you saw me fix the crap, you bastard. And I got another place, which was with a landlord that wasn't a piece of crap later on. But up until then, learn to live with all the things that were wrong. You learn to live with it. You learn to live with it. Sometimes you learn to live without things, right? You ever have a relationship with somebody and because of your schedules, you don't see each other as much as you as you as a normal couple would. Right. And all it takes is one minor fight where you try to be passive aggressive to each other to shut that whole relationship down because you don't miss them at first. If I'm a stand up and I'm going to be gone for two weeks and you work at an office or you're a salesperson or you, you you travel a little bit and we don't see we're used to not seeing each other for a couple of weeks. And then if we were fighting and we, well, I'm not talking to her, I'm not talking to him. So you to do that little passive aggressive thing where you decide not to talk to each other. Then all of a sudden what happens a month goes by and then two months go by and all of a sudden you don't even feel like you have a significant other you're sitting there thinking well if she didn't call me in three months then she doesn't care and she's thinking the same thing and either and on the whole while the fight wasn't really really that big of a deal but you got used to not being around each other you started to build your lives without each other and all of a sudden you found out that you, you realize you broke up with somebody and you don't remember why you learned to live without them it's amazing how that works isn't it that's how i got heavy that's how I got heavy. There was a point before this time getting heavy where I was in not, I wasn't just in okay shape. I was in super duper good shape. Okay. I was in, oh man, it's hot in here. I better take my shirt off. It's, uh, it's 60 degrees and it's 60. Yeah. That sounds hot to me. Ah, boy, oh boy. <laughs> well, it's still hot. I better take these pants off and, uh, put the, put these speedos on so you can see my genitals and buttocks. <laughs> Sir, we're going to have to ask you to leave this store. You know, <laughs> come on, you know. But what started to happen was I started to work. I started, you know, I, I, I kind of was like, well, I'm already in shape. And you make the mistake of thinking that being in shape is the finished product. God, I had never been that kind of shape before. And intellectually, you know, you have to do maintenance workouts. But I went a couple of weeks and I didn't work out at all. 
Still had the same body, not a problem. Gained a couple pounds. Hey, I'm still I'm still not fat. I just I'm not as in good a shape as I was before. Not a big deal. Well, I gained a couple of pounds, but I can still take my shirt off. I still, I mean, I'm not as slight as I was. I have smooth muscles now. Not a big deal. Okay, maybe I don't want to take my shirt off all the time. But I mean, it's not that bad, you know. But you get 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 fat bastard. <laughs> I had actually moved working out and eating right out of my schedule. I learned to live without doing the thing that got me in shape. I learned to live without it. And oh no. And the reason I even brought this up is because in about four months, I'm going to start picking up the microphone again and performing and doing some of the material that I've written during the course of this time because I want to start uh, getting back to active, active, active stand up again because I was a damn good stand up. And I want to do it again. And the thing about it was I never thought that I would go this long a time trying to do things that weren't stand up on the entertainment side. Um, and I never thought I'd take this kind of time off. I remember when I started doing it and I was doing it all the time as a younger person, I was actively doing and thought of as one of the best around. It never occurred to me that I would take a second off, let alone a long period of time. I haven't done active, 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 active stand up since 2010 or 2011. Have I done some shows here or there? Yeah. I just did the old act that I, you know, I remembered it. So I just did it. Hey, that's great. huh? But I didn't want to do that act anymore. I'm not that guy anymore. That material doesn't fit me anymore. It's like wearing bell bottoms and crap like that. You know, it's like, it just doesn't fit me anymore. It's like wearing one of those pimp hats and the collar with the, with the fur on it and walking around with the music behind you. Funky man. He's a funky man. He's a funky man. I didn't, actually that was before my time, but you get the point. <laughs> right? And I don't want to, I don't want to do that. That's what that act felt like to me. I evolved as a human being way past what that act was. Does it still work? Sure. Could I walk out right now? Uh, to a, if you if I snapped my fingers and just appeared at a comedy club that was packed and I did that old act, would it work? Of course it would work, it, 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 you know, but I don't want to do that anymore. You know, I could put on clothes that don't fit me. They'd cover me and protect me from the elements. Doesn't mean I want to walk around wearing them. Right. So I got to go back and do active stand up again because it's what I love to do. The only thing I like doing as much as this is that. And so. And so I'm going to go back to doing that in approximately about four months. And I realized that I, I, it never occurred to me that I would go this long without doing stand up on a weekly, weekly, daily, daily, daily basis. But what started to happen was I started getting involved in this little thing and I started doing a little bit of that and doing a little bit of that. And it happened right around December. And it was really weird because sometimes the last two weeks of December, I wouldn't do any gigs. I'd maybe do a, a New Year's Eve show or something like that. But I spent that time with family or if I had a girlfriend at the time, I'd spend that time with them. Or you're doing all that Christmas stuff and you figure, let me knock all of this out. I mean, being off stage for a couple of weeks don't mean anything. And I had gotten used to doing that. And then some other things started to work out and I started to do those things. And some other things started to be cool and I started to do those things. And then it was a month and then I'd do a show and then three or four months would go by and then I'd do a show and then a year would go by and then I'd do a show and then a year would go by and a year would go by and a year would go by and I hadn't done a show. The thing I love to do probably the most other than this or getting it on with hot or hot woman, I had gotten used to not doing it. I allowed that to happen to me. And it's really weird. It really is analogous to breaking up with someone without actually breaking up with them. You have nothing bad to say about the person, right? You didn't want to break up with them, but it just kind of happened. 
You can't even go through your mind and find anything bad about the person that made you go, why did I, why would I break up with him? I don't even understand that everything was great, but you wind up separating and you don't know why. I don't know if it's happened to you, but you break up with somebody like the way I described in the beginning of the segment and you run into them again and you're going, what the hell happened? And you meet them and you talk to them. And a lot of times when you meet someone that you broke up with before 30 seconds into the conversation, you're going, ha ha, glad you got rid of me or glad I got rid of your ass. And that's what you're thinking. But then you're going, whoa, no, it just doesn't make any sense. And now they're talking about their husband, right? Or, or you know, or vice versa. They're, they're talking about their wife or whatever. And you're going, what the hell? Ugh. And you're both looking at each other like, oh, man, I shouldn't, have, you know, and they go, you go about your business. And when I've been doing this podcast, sprinkling a little comedy into these stories, it reminded me of the way I it reminded me of doing stand up and how much fun that was, how much I enjoyed. And how I really believe I was born to do that, too. And I know you can relate to that, right? There's something that you, you were doing and you, you don't know why you stopped doing it. Like, what the hell did I stop doing that for? What the, I like doing it. I liked throwing a football to my kid. I like sitting down with my daughter and, you know, having little tea parties. But now all of a sudden, I, you know, now she's too old for that crap. Now she's 13 years old and, and I'm not, hey, daddy. I'm like, dad, oh, God. You know, he's like, hey, daddy. And now he's like, hey, what's up, Pop? Got to go. Right? And it takes a while to reconnect like you did back then with the, with the kids. You can, of course, because I reconnected with my, my father in my 40s. <laughs> and we're cool. He's a great guy. But I think about the stand-up, and I realize how good I was at it and how good I believe I'll be at it again. And I realize, basically, it's like being reunited with the love of your life. You don't know why you broke up. But now that it's approaching time to see her again, because this four months that I'm using to finish up some things before I pick up the microphone again, it's like it's like I ran into an old girlfriend that I shouldn't have broken up with in the first place who didn't want to break up with me. And I didn't I didn't want to break up with her. And we're going, I'm single and she's single and she's interested, very, very interested and looks at me and goes, well, I really got to get that guy back. And I'm looking at her going, I got to get her back and we want to get back with each other. But she's going to be out of town for four months and then she's going to come back to move right near where I am permanently anyway. That's what it feels like. I didn't want to break up with her stand up and obviously stand up. Didn't want to break up with me. And we ran into each other and four months from now, she's moving back and we'll have to start from scratch again. You know, I'm not going to be able to, I'm not going to be able to be as good as I was when I left. It just doesn't work that way. You don't take this much time off. No matter how talented you are or how funny you are, you don't just snap back at full strength right away. Right away. It just doesn't work that way. And if you meet somebody and they're the love of your life and you haven't seen them in seven or eight years and they want you and you want them, you realize there's been seven years of evolution between on your side and on her side. And even though there's enough of you that wants to connect, you realize, and even if you say we're definitely going to do this, you still have to relearn each other. There's some stuff you remember, but you have to relearn. And if you stick with it, then all of a sudden you walk down the aisle, you have some babies, you live happily ever after. In this case, I walk down the aisle, we'll stand up again, we'll have some babies called successful comedy specials and TV shows and movies and all of that kind of crap, and we'll live happily ever after. But that's the thing, man. You got to remember, if there's something that's important to you, please, I'm telling you, I'm begging you because this is the big, I can't believe I allowed this to happen to myself. Even though there were some other good things I was working on, I still never put that microphone down. 
if there's something that's important to you, do not allow yourself to learn to live without it. If it's a significant other, don't allow yourself to learn to live without that person. Don't allow yourself to learn to live without those kids. Don't allow yourself to learn to live without your friends. Don't allow yourself to learn to live without anything that's important to you. Just don't do it. Because it really, really sucks. Because sometimes you don't get an opportunity to reconnect. But you will remember that you wanted to reconnect. And all you would be doing is sitting there kicking yourself because you didn't reconnect. That's all I'm saying. So. This is actually uh, April 30th. And we're May, June, July, August. So beginning of September, I'm going to be picking up the microphone again. And pounding off the uh, chiseling off the rough edges of this crap that I wrote that hopefully they hopefully if you come to see me that you'll like. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm a little I'm kind of excited. You know, I'm excited the same way. Like I said, if there was this gorgeous sister that I love, that beautiful chocolate angel and she I mean, fell apart and I ran into her again and she's just as awesome and delicious and incredible as as I remember to be. And I, she feels the same way about me. And four months from now, she'll be back and we'll begin dating again. That's what it feels like. Because comedy really, really has some nice tits and a juicy ass. And I can't wait to squeeze on them. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to get a hold of comedy again. Put some whip. <laughs> it's getting kind of weird, isn't it? <laughs> Wish me luck, my friends. <laughs> Segment over. Well, folks, you've been asking me about it. And I'm going to tell you about it. Uh, earlier, I put up a little post right after I got pulled over by the police. And uh, it's been a long time since I've actually been pulled over by the police. I, you know, I, you know, and, I, and this is not an indictment on police officers overall, because there's been time. There was a time I got pulled over by a police officer for running a stop sign. I didn't run the stop sign because I wasn't paying attention. I ran the stop sign because my carpet actually got yanked up from the bottom of the under my uh, feet and it got caught into the accelerator and I couldn't stop the car. Police officer pulls up behind me, pulls me over, comes up to me extremely professional. He comes up to me and, and you know the story if you listen to me for a while I already talked about it. And he was extremely professional, extremely polite, no attitude, no bullshit. He just did his job and, and, and I told him what happened. He believed me, did not give me a ticket, could have given me a ticket. The textbook says to give me a ticket, but he believed me and I was polite to him and he was polite to me he was a professional he's the kind of cop you want on the job and most of the police officers that i've run across in my life have been that type of cat but there's the other ones and they're the ones that make it bad for the ones that do their job and i ran into one of these guys and it was really weird i'm driving a toyota camry i'm a 48 year old guy the guy in the car next to me was my uncle in his 70s i'm driving him to the hospital to see my other uncle who's approaching his 70s he's in the hospital and he's going to be there for a little while we're driving down this street it's a series of stop signs i as a habit always stop for a full second at a stop sign and then go that way there's no ambiguity at all oh and another thing you need to know my car is fully paid off and i have insurance and my registration everything is perfect and i only have had gotten one ticket in my entire life was back in the 90s and i paid it the next day when i got home that's the backstory. I'm driving and I'm, I'm driving at the speed limit. I'm driving right around 25 miles an hour. 
I'm early. I'm not in a hurry. I'm not speeding. I tend not to speed anyway. Stop for a full second at every stop sign. And as you know, if you've been listening to me for any length of time, I have a high definition dash cam in my window. So the police officer comes up to the car, you know, and at first I'm trying to figure out why he's pulling me over in the first place, because I am not speeding. I'm legal. And I stopped at the stop sign. So I see the car zoom up behind me really quickly and hit his flasher. So I'm thinking, oh, man, somebody else must have done something bad. Somebody done effed up. Let me pull out of the way. Let this guy go there and take care of his business. I hope everything goes OK. Hope he goes home to his family. Hope whatever he's doing resolves itself. And they, they cut that big day. He's, 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 he's behind me and he's getting out of his car and he's pointing to me. The hell's he pointing to me for? And I wasn't speeding. I'd stopped at the stop sign and all my stuff is legal. So what the hell's going on? He walks up to the car. He looks at me. I roll the window down. I said, before, I said, before you say anything, officer, just so you know, because the uh, motor and the passenger side of my, uh, uh, there's, a, there's a short in the wire in the motor and the passenger uh, window. So so I don't roll it down till you know, I get it uh, fixed tomorrow. Well, actually, tomorrow in real life, but like two days, two or three days, depending on that. So I said, uh, that, by the way, officer, that window over there doesn't, doesn't roll down. So I'm not, you know, just so you know. He goes, so I, uh, I believe I've seen you around there before, buddy. I believe I've seen you before. Hmm. He's, he's giving me all these, these, this attitude, these bad vibes, being really snarky. Keep in mind, the only thing I've said to him was the window doesn't open. And I've seen you before, buddy. Huh? And I go, uh, and I didn't say anything because I'm like, I'm not going to antagonize this guy because I don't know why he's what he's doing. Now, he lean, he looks into the car to see the to see who my passenger is. Right. And he, he was about to, and he says, you know why I pulled you over? I pulled you over because you ran. And he looks in. Now, I don't know why he stopped talking, but as it turns out, he probably saw that I have a dash cam hanging in the window. He goes, oh, your um, your lights are out in the back. Uh, your, your lights were out. And I go. Really? I said, my lights are out? And he goes, yeah, I go. I said, how many? He goes, uh, a bunch of them. I have four lights in the back of my car. A bunch of them. So when somebody goes, a bunch, if he said, well, the passenger side or the driver's side, well, it was your turning. So if he had said that, it would have made more sense. But it, he sounded like a kid making up a lie for a parent. What time did I tell you to be home? Oh, I don't know, nighttime, when it's dark. <laughs> I said 10. You said 10. I did. I, I only know 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 11. I didn't know the number 10. <laughs> you get That's what he sounded like. Right now, I'm sitting there looking at the guy and I'm going, well, I just put the bulbs in a few days ago, like a few like a month ago myself. And my dashboard tells me when there's anything wrong with my lights. OK, my dashboard goes and flicker. There's a there's a there's a there's a sensor on it that tells me if there's anything wrong with the electrical system in my lights or if one of the lights is out. And I know that the light that tells me that the lights would be out is working because the, all of the lights come on when you turn on your, your car. So I know there's a high probability that they are, there's nothing wrong with my lights. And I also know he probably was going to say I pulled, I, I, I ran the stop sign, but he noticed the dash cam hanging in the window and recording. <laughs> uh, and also, he also stopped at you look familiar crap because he goes, do you have a, you have your, you have a valid license. Uh, do you have a valid license? So I go, yes, I do. It's in my pocket. It's right here. Is that okay if I get it? Yeah, go get it. I said, and I pull it up really slowly. I open my wallet up. I pull my license out. I hand it to him. And he doesn't even look at it because he already realized he pulled me over 
thinking I was maybe someone else and decided to use something else to get me to pull over. And he goes, "Uh, so where are you going? I go, hospital. Which one? I told him the name of the hospital really quickly. I didn't have to fumfer. I didn't have to go, well, I'm I'm gay, but I'm I'm not sure. I didn't make up any bullshit excuses because I'm a criminal. I just told him which one I was going to. Didn't have to make up anything. I could prove where I was going there because the people that were waiting for me to show up. So if there was any kind of conflict, I could go, they're waiting for me to show up. Why don't you call them and ask them? Because I went there every week at exactly the same time. Every day, every, every day at the same time. This is the day I was supposed to go. I knew that. And it became very clear that even though he was being a little snarky, a little smart assy, and it was apparent that he was bullshitting for pulling me over, I was still polite to him. You see, if you're going to kick my ass or shoot me or something like that, you're going to have to go way out of your way. I'm not going to give you any ammunition. Nope. And he realized I wasn't going to be smart. He realized his, his partner was running my license plate. I could see that. I've been there before. I know what that looks like. And you could tell, like, I could see his partner, like, looked at him like, dude, um, you might want to get that dude his license plate back. We done fucked up here. I could see that look on his face. And the guy goes, look back at his partner, look back at my, looked at my thing, looked at me, looked at the dash cam. He goes, oh, well, um, <laughs> here's, your, here's your license, uh, Mr. Thomas. Just, uh, you know, just, I said, so and I look back and I said, so my lights are right. He goes, yeah, yeah, just make sure that you, you know, yeah, the lights, all of them. And he gets back in his car and zips around the corner. <laughs> so my uncle and I are looking at each other and we were looking at each other like, get the fuck out of here. Because my uncle is in his 70s. He knows what this is like. Believe me, he's been pulled over before. Believe me. I'm 48 years old. I used to live, I lived in LA in the 90s. So believe me, I know what it's like to be pulled over. I know what it's like to have guns in my face. There was no guns in my face in this case, by the way. I know what it's like to be laying on the ground with somebody, you know, let me check your pockets. I know what it's like to be sitting on the side of the road and having everything in my car strewn out on the street and I have to pick it up myself when I was already in a hurry. I know what that's like. It's happened many, many times before. It's not my first rodeo. And I had a feeling this guy was pulling me over for a bullshit reason. But I wasn't going to give him any ammunition. My uncle had been in the situation a million and a half times. He, he just sat there like, yeah, he knows what to do, meaning me. Because I've had that talk before and I've given that talk to my nephews. Right? And he gave me that talk. I know what the deal is. Plus, I've already lived through it. So we're driving down the road and I'm laughing and he's laughing. He goes... You know, that was complete bullshit, don't you? I was like, of course I know it was complete bullshit. I said, do me a favor. I'm going to pull up. I'm going to wait till we're way past wherever this police officer is so we don't antagonize his ass. I'm going to pull over and I want you to do me a favor. We pull up the street. I pull into a Rite Aid parking lot. I pull into a parking spot. He gets out because he wants to get some sodas. He goes to the back of the car and I go, ready? He goes, yep. I turn on my turn, my left turning signal. He gives me the thumbs up. Turn my right turning signal. He gives me the thumb up. I step on the brakes. Brake lights work. He walks up laughing. He goes, yeah, these lights are really bad. Really bad. And I go, yeah. He goes, there's not a damn thing wrong with those lights. And I go, I know that. He goes, your sensor didn't go off, did it? And I go, no, it didn't. <laughs> but this, here's the thing. And this is something that people don't understand. They don't, they don't have this situation. I have people that I grew up with who are cops. That are cops in my hometown. I got friends that I did comedy with that used to be cops. So I understand how tough the job is as much as a person who does not do the job can. And I have a lot of respect for these brothers and sisters that do their job because that is a tough fucking job. That is a tough job. You never know when you pull up to pull somebody over. You never know if that person is going to be a nutcase. You never know when you're going in and trying to save lives what you're dealing with. You never know that. But from the civilian side... You got to understand how I feel 
you know, because I knew from the beginning you pulled me over for false pretenses. There was no, it was no, there was no reason to pull me over. I hadn't committed an offense. You were just fishing. You came up to the window and you would you say, well, you, you look like somebody I've seen around. I've seen you before. Already, you're basically saying you're a criminal and I know it and I've seen you before you were a criminal. You hadn't even hated taking a good look at my face. And if you had looked at me and thought I was a criminal, you looked at me and you saw me in a car going by at 25 miles an hour. What are you, Steve Austin, $6 million man with an eye that can slow down shit and see close up? And even if you were, if you did have that power, you would have seen me and realized I wasn't the person you were looking for. You know what it feels like when you know your personal history and the history of your relatives, when somebody who has the power to kill you if they want to and news stations that would say, because because I'm so clean, I would, if I, if my uncle and I got blown away in those cars, at first it was like, dun, dun, popular podcast, arrest Anthony Thomas and his uncle was shot in the car. He, I don't know what happened. He probably jumped the cop. Here's an artist rendering of S. Anthony ripping the entire top off of his Toyota Camry and decapitating six people before attacking the officers. And huh? he has no criminal record. He's never been arrested. Oh, well, we're going to have to pretty much bury this story now. And that's what would happen. He'd bury the shit out of it because I'm clean. <laughs> that's what happens. But here's the thing. When somebody pulls you over and they're, when they approach you on a lie, they've already lied and lies tend to snowball. And it's uncomfortable because if they pulled you over on a lie, you don't know what's coming next. You really don't. And even though I've been in that situation, literally, a truckload of times and I was completely calm because I like I said it's not my first rodeo there's a little percentage of you going all I got to do is say the wrong thing and this if this is a hothead guy or if this is one of the bad ones I could at the very minimum get a ticket for something I didn't do it's uncomfortable man and I was laughing about it when it was over with because once again it happened before it happened before and we're laughing about it. I even laughed at my uncle about it the other day after it was over. And he goes, uh, he walked behind my car, goes, oh, lights are still messed up. I go, yeah, yeah I got to get those fixed. <laughs> kind of a gallows humor. But it's frustrating, man. It's really, really frustrating. I haven't seen you, so I haven't seen you around. Only you know, where you, where did you see me? In a comedy club someplace? Television? Done television before. See me in a newspaper? That's the only place you would have seen me. Maybe you see me at my coffee shop, but you have never seen me commit a crime because I've never committed one. But he came up to the car as if I had. Like I said, I take into account how tough that job is. And he may legitimately have thought that I was someone who had committed an, an offense. But he didn't have to come into the, to the, to the car talking about, I've seen you before. I say, haven't I seen you around? I've seen you before. Haven't I run into you before? Why would you say that? If you're asking that question, it means you don't know. And if you don't know, it means there's a, prob there's a probability that I'm not that person. And if there's a probability that I'm not that person, you just insulted and insinuated the criminal behavior to someone who had done no, no crime. And that's what you did. I don't have as many hard feelings because I didn't get a ticket. Obviously, I couldn't have gotten a ticket. One, I didn't commit an offense. And two, I have a dash cam. But you kind of you kind of stuck your finger in my tea before I drank it, my friend. I was having a good day. And even though I laughed it off and I'm talking about it on my podcast right now. Come on, man. 
if you had come up to the car and said, I'm sorry, uh, I'm sorry, we were looking for someone who was driving a similar car. It's obviously not you. I apologize for that, sir. No problem. You keep going on with your day. Sorry about that. If you'd done that, I wouldn't even be talking about it on the podcast right now because that's happened before. I wouldn't even have brought it up. I would have thought nothing of it. I would have thought you were a police officer. You thought you saw something. You quickly assessed the situation. You did your job professionally and you moved on. But that's not what you did. You basically subtly called me a criminal. You basically subtly, subtly, subtly called me a criminal to my face. Right? You could look at me and see I wasn't the person you were looking for. You took my license for no to, 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 to look at it for absolutely no reason. You started off our con our conflict, our con, I'm sorry, not conflict. You started off our uh, communication based on a lie. You lied to get an opportunity to look into the car. So what does that say? So you know, I don't know how many people have gone through this on a regular basis, you know, uh, but I, I, it used to be a norm for me. And like I said, I've never committed a crime. And it's a little, a little bit frustrated to have to go through that shit. But it really doesn't matter. Because you doing what you do in uh, in an unprofessional way didn't change who I was, doesn't change who I am, doesn't change the way I go about my life. And after I record this, I won't bring you up again. But come on, man. I know a whole lot of police officers who do their job the right way, who wouldn't have pulled me over. And if they did pull me over, they would have apologized for pulling me over because you pulled me over based on bullshit. And you should be ashamed of yourself. Come on, man. Segment over. All right, everybody, let me ask you this. Um, what is your, your guilty pleasure? You know, uh, like on the internet, I talked before about one of my guilty pleasures on the internet was watching dash cam videos and I'm not going to, and, and that's usually the, one of the number one ones. And also, you know, I'm, I'm 48 years old now. I don't have to act all super macho. I'll be honest with you. A lot of the times I'll go and I'll look up, uh, uh, uh YouTube videos about beagle puppies. Yeah. Beagle puppies. Cause I like beagles and I like watching be beagle puppies cause they're mega ultra cute. And I want to get a couple of beagles when I move from where I am now. Damn it. I'm getting two beagles. Yeah, that's right. You know, and sometimes I like to watch videos of babies laughing. That shit's hilarious. There's a lot of babies in my family. And sometimes I'll go a few days without seeing one of the babies and damn it. I'll go on there and I'm going, okay. This baby is great. It's this baby. They see their babies are laughing. I feel great. Yeah, that's right. And then every once in a while you see one of those, you know, one of those acts of heroism videos. You know, the mother picked up the car off of her child and saved the child's life. Dad swam 12,000 miles to save daughter and the woman. And brother jumped out of an airplane and caught a quarter that fell out of the pilot's pocket and somehow landed inside of the plane because he knew the part, the, the part where the plane was going and he angled his body to land back inside the plane because his little sister wanted that quarter to buy a bag of Cheetos. What a great brother that guy. What a great brother that guy is. Yeah, damn right. Man sees baby looking at a fire and the baby's laughing because of the flicking lights. And just to entertain his baby, he lights himself on fire in his living room. He would probably have been better off just recording the fire that the baby was already laughing at because that would have been less painful. And uh, but uh, OK, he was kind of stupid. I mean, what the hell was he? He could have just, like I said, recorded that one thing. But 
His dumb ass was so busy trying to impress the baby, he lit himself on fire. And the, ironically, the baby laughed, and his first words were, da "His first words were, damn dad, you're a fucking moron,' which is amazing because the babe, no one had ever cursed in the house before, but somehow the baby knew how to use profanity. <laughs> Some of those weren't true." <laughs> But there are acts of heroism sometimes, man. And I've, I had one when I was a little kid. I've had some as an adult, but if you're an adult, it's really not a big deal. You're just being a good adult. But I remember I had one when I was a kid. Let me tell you a story. Now, I don't know what kind of neighborhood you guys live in, because there's a lot of di there's different countries listening to this. But where I lived at the time in Philly, there were, there were neighbors that, uh, that were always, walk they always had these dogs. And some people had dogs that were friendly. When the dog would come out, everybody would go, to, hey, Sparky's outside. You'd see Sparky running around because he got out of the gate. You'd run out and Sparky would come up and you'd hug Sparky and the Sparky would lick your face. You'd play with Sparky and a, a homeowner would come back, right? Oh my God, what happened to Sparky? And then he or she would come outside and they'd see Sparky sitting on somebody's porch with the kids and the kids saved up some money and they bought their own dog food to feed Sparky and a water thing to feed Sparky. Because the owner is a moron and Sparky always gets out, but everybody loves Sparky. Everybody would catch Sparky. If Sparky was walking down the street, you go, come here, Sparky. I don't want you running in the street. I don't want you to get hit by a car because Sparky was a good dog. And even though the owner should have been more diligent about letting Sparky out, it wasn't a big deal because Sparky was a great dog. We all love Sparky. And another dog, hey, there's Champ. Champ's out. Oh, man, too bad Sparky's not out because Sparky and Champ could be out at the same time and we could play with Sparky and Champ. And the same thing would happen with Champ and you'd hug Champ and Champ would lick your face and play and then Sparky would come out and now you got Sparky and Champ, Sparky and Champ, Champ and Sparky. We're a bunch of kids who are bad at making up songs and you know what I'm saying. <laughs> right? And that would happen sometimes. But sometimes it wasn't Champ or Sparky that would get out. Because eventually those two people, even though they didn't mind Sparky and Champ getting out and we didn't mind having Sparky and Champ out, they really thought it was kind of dangerous to let Sparky and Champ out because Sparky and Champ could have got hit by cars. So what would happen is when they would come home because they knew that the kids had gotten in a relationship with Sparky and Champ, they'd actually bring Sparky and Champ out. You know, and they weren't really walking Sparky and Champ. They wanted to let the kids visit Sparky and Champ. So they go, hey, guys, Sparky's out, Champ's out, yay. And he'd let Sparky and Champ out on purpose this time. And we'd all go and play with Sparky and Champ, yay. But Sparky and Champ weren't the only dogs in the neighborhood. No. Some of the neighbors had cats, and the cats would come out. Nobody would mess with the cats. In fact, there would be times when people you would come outside, and people would see the cats on their cars, and the cats would be on the porch, and just like Sparky and Champ, the cats would be out, and we'd all pick up the cats and play with the cats, and the cats would lick us, and we'd roll around with the cats and play with the cats and hug the cats and kiss the cats, and sometimes the cats would go into other neighbors' homes, and people wouldn't even go walking down the street to see if the cats were out. They'd go, do you have, the, do you have my cat there? Yeah, here, here she is. Here's Sprinkle. Sprinkle is here. Yay. In fact, sometimes Sparky Champ and Sprinkle would be out, and guess what happened? Nothing, because Sparky and Champ were used to playing with people. And Sprinkles would walk up to Sparky and Champ. I actually walked out one side and saw them playing cards. Ha <laughs> ha, just kidding. They were smoking cigarettes. Ha <laughs> ha, just kidding. They were just acting like dogs and cats that weren't antagonistic towards each other. <laughs> I have an active imagination, F y'all. But they weren't the only animals in the block. And this story now, Sparky and Champ and Sprinkles, part of the story are now over. We'll now move them out of the way. And we'll talk about the other dog in the neighborhood. Kid Eater. That wasn't actually the name of the dog, but we might as well have called the dog Kid Eater because Kid Eater would bite people. 
Kid Eater was a piece of shit. And unlike the other animals who I were not part of the story anymore, when Kid Eater was out, nobody was outside to play with Kid Eater. You look outside, oh shit, Kid Eater's out. All the doors locked. You would actually put your windows down because Kid Eater would actually shoot went through the window because Kid Eater carried weapons. <laughs> that is also not true. But the part about him biting the crap out of people, that is true. Kid Eater, Kid Eater would be out so much that you literally would have to walk around and you'd have somebody kind of take a quick peek around to see if Kid Eater was out. And Kid Eater didn't hide to chase kids. Kid Eater just sat there waiting like, I know your punk asses are coming. And if I get a chance, I'm going to bite one of you on the ass and have a nice kid ass sandwich because I'm Kid Eater, the dog that eats kids, damn it. And sometimes just to avoid Kid Eater, you'd walk three or four blocks out of your way, going around the other side and coming around the back way to go into your house. But Kid Eater was a piece of crap. Kid Eater was like, wait a minute. There's been no kids to eat. I haven't bitten a kid in a couple of days. Wait a second. There's another way around those bastards. And then Kid Eater would cut through the park and wait on the other side. Wait on the other side. That's how you knew Kid Eater was a piece of crap. Because you'd walk around the other side. But now you're not paying attention because you think Kid Eater is always on the other side three blocks away. But now Kid Eater figured it out. That's why I'm telling you dogs are smarter than you think. Nice. So we're walking down the street. We're not paying attention. We don't expect Kid Eater to be there. So we're just walking around. And I should have known something was happening because we were walking down the street and I could hear something in the back going, gotcha, you bastards. And I'm going, oh, shit, here's Kid Eater. And we all ran and jumped over the fence. And Kid Eater couldn't get over the fence. And Kid Eater just, I didn't even know dogs had middle fingers, but Kid Eater gave us the double paw middle fingers, that middle finger having piece of crap bastard. And now all of a sudden, we don't know how to go home. If we go one way, Kid Eater's already there. If we go the other way, Kid Eater now knows about that. And now you had to take your chance on how to get home because Kid Eater could have been in either place. That piece of crap. Bastard. You almost wanted to hear you. You almost hear the Mission Impossible music playing when you went home. Boom, 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 boom. Bum, 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 kitty dirt, kitty dirt, kitty dirt, eats killed it, dun, dun, kitty dirt, kitty dirt, kitty dirt, eats children, dun, 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 and you knew if you got home safely, ha, you were happy, but that also meant that some other kid got eaten on the other side, on the other side. There were even some kids that were such pieces of crap. They would actually take other kids that were with them, big kids. They would lure bullies. Oh, please don't kick my ass, bully. And you'd walk around where Kid Eater was. And then you'd, you'd, you'd make a lot of noise and pray that Kid Eater was there. Because if Kid Eater wasn't there, you got an ass whooping from the bully. But if Kid Eater was there, the bully got his ass eaten by Kid Eater. And you had to act like it was a surprise. I really didn't know the vicious dog was going to be here and bite the shit out of you. <laughs> That's what you get, you bastard. But you really had to be very, very careful. You didn't know where Kid Eater was. So now we talk about acts of heroism. Everybody thought Kid Eater was gone. The people that had Kid Eater 
were gone and we didn't see Kid Eater in the fence. Kid Eater was not in either one of the players. It was not around. Nobody had seen Kid Eater for a while. And as bad as it is to say, we were all hoping, please, please, please. Normally, I don't I don't want this to happen. But, gee, I hope a bus didn't hit Kid Eater <laughs> and back over his ass <laughs> and then run over him again because <laughs> we wanted that to happen. So I'm going to the store with my sister. And now we're walking very freely through this little alley. It's an alleyway between two houses that led to the store. It wasn't a big deal. It wasn't a big deal. Kid Eater hadn't been seen for a while. So me and my little sister could go to the store. We felt comfortable. My mother felt, felt comfortable sending us. There was no Kid Eater around. Kid Eater was gone. Or so we thought. We're walking towards the store and we're laughing and joking the way brothers and sisters do. And then I hear a familiar footsteps coming towards us. Now, on this particular occasion, and thankfully, 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 thankfully so, I was carrying one of my grand. My grandfather had a cane. And it was a cane that was made out of uh, like a really light wood. It wasn't heavy. It was sturdy, but it wasn't heavy. And he didn't want it anymore because he had a better cane. And I said, can I have it, Grandpa? And he said, yeah, go ahead, boy, take it. So I had the cane and I'm walking around with the cane trying to be cool like those people I saw in the old movies. And being a bit of a douche as I am now and was definitely beginning to be then. I mean, no, I'm not now, nor was I then. Ha <laughs> <F> y'all. <laughs> I'm walking down the street and I got the cane in my hand trying to be cool. I'm walking cool. My sister's, of course, ridiculing me the way younger sisters do. And I'm gone. You just jealous because you ain't got a cane. I don't want a cane. Yes, you do. First of all, we're too young to have cane. Eh, whatever. Let's go to the store. And we're going to the store. And as I said, I heard the familiar footsteps. But it couldn't have been Kitty. Kid Eater. Kitty Eater's been gone for days. I'm pretty sure a bus backed over his punk ass, I hope. <laughs> bus did not back over him because it was Kitty Eater. And my sister was closer to Kid Eater. And Kid Eater started running towards my sister. And under normal circumstances, I would have been petrified of Kid Eater. But that's my sister, dude. Fuck that. I had the cane in my hand. I grabbed the cane by the bottom of the cane. And I twisted it to, to the point where the hook was in front. And I looked at that mug like, if you, you ain't biting nobody here, Jack, I'll kill you before you bite my sister. And I ran towards him and I put the cane above my head and I screamed. Yah! I was so angry. I was infuriated that this piece of shit was going to try to bite my little sister. Nah, nah, son. Not today, baby. Not today. I'm only a little kid myself, but I'm bigger than her. And that's my sister. And I'm the brother. And you ain't biting nobody here, sucker. So I'm going up towards Kid Eater. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to go. I hope I get him in his eye. And Kid Eater sees me and I'm thinking okay at least he's going to come towards me because now my sister is running crawled on top of a car and I'm saying at the very least I'm going to crack this bastard in his head and do whatever it takes so she can run back to the house and get my mom and then my mom could come back and stop Kid Eater from eating the other ass cheek that he will have been eating because he will have already devoured one of them but Kid Eater sees me and Kid Eater goes oh shit turns around like he's standing on top of a spinning wheel and runs down the alley away from me and I realized, and when I thought back about it, I had never seen anyone ever fight back towards Kid Eater. When I thought about it, as I'm standing there, my sister comes off the car and we go back towards the house to tell my mom what happened. I realized, huh, that's the first time I think anyone has ever challenged Kid Eater. 
It really was. I mean, every time a kid eater that always approached somebody, they always ran. Huh. Now, when I think back on it now as a grown-up, I realize most likely, because a lot of times when there's a vicious dog and you come at him with a stick, the dog doesn't back down. He may back up the chain, you know, and, and think about it or back up to see if he can take you or back up to get a better position to strike you. But they don't turn around on a dime and run in the other direction. Even if you have a baseball bat, I've seen it before. I've seen people, a vicious dog come at people with golf clubs, bats, and the dog's like, I don't care about that bat. And I don't care about that golf club. I'm a bust your ass. But kid eater, a vicious, vicious dog as it was, saw me coming at him with that cane and saw me screaming and saw that I wasn't afraid. I was afraid afterwards because I'm like, I could have been killed. I was afraid afterwards. But at that moment, I was like, nah, you ain't biting my sister's son. Not today. Not today. And I realized there's got to be a reason that kid eater, when I think about it and I thought about it later on, not later on in that moment, but later on years later. The only reason that dog actually could have spun around and turned around and run from a little kid with a punk ass cane like that is because somebody has been cracking that dog in the head. Someone who actually could hurt the dog. Someone using something that actually could hurt the dog, crack that dog in the head. That's the only reason. There's no other reason. And for a moment, I started feeling bad for Kid Eater. Damn. Maybe the reason Kid Eater was so vicious, it wasn't anything like the other two dogs, was because that dog was getting tortured and beaten up and treated like crap on a regular basis. Maybe the reason that a lot of people were getting bit by Kid Eater was not just because the dog was a dog, but because the dog was being treated like crap by the people that had the dog. And for a moment, I felt bad for Kid Eater. And as my sister comes off of the car and we walk back in the house, I felt like a little hero. I really did. You'd be surprised what you'll actually do <laughs> in situations like that when, you know, when it comes down to it. Because under normal circumstances, if that dog hadn't been tortured, it was just a vicious dog because it was vicious. That dog would have eaten me, eat my sister, went up to my mom's house, knocked on the door shit what's left of me and her on the porch stood outside with the under stood the door with his arm folded going yeah that's what's left of your kids broad what you gonna do about it i dare you to come out i want to see if you taste like them because i just ate them that's what the dog would have done under normal circumstances i think back now when i think of kid eater when well, he ate a couple of adults too but he was mostly a kid eater and obviously that dog is long dead now because I'm 48 now. And that, that was a that was good Lord. Damn near. Well, good Lord. Yeah, that's well over three decades ago. Good God. Jesus Christ, that kid, that kid's grandkid, that dog's grandkids are dead now. <clears throat> but I think back at that, man, and it's like you see these moments of heroism. That happened, and then and, and and everybody has a little bit of that in them. You've been there before, where something happens and you you sprung into action to take care of business. You know, I think finally on those moments, I'm you know I think finally I'm proud of myself for that. You know, because recently I was I was walking someplace with my sister. We're both in our forties now. One of my sisters, the one that lives the closest to me, the one that was actually in this story. And there was a dog barking to a fence. And we both jumped. <laughs> right? 
Uh, and in the back of my mind, I don't, I don't even think she remembers the kid eater story because she was she was a lot younger than than I am. Um, not a lot younger. I mean, well, the difference in age isn't much now, but back then the difference in age was pretty big. You know, you know, you know. Um, and I and she's walking. She's like, man, that dog scared the crap out of me. And I was walking. She, I was giving her a ride someplace because her car was getting fixed. And she got and she got into the car. And I was walking around to get into the driver's side of the car. And I was thinking about the. I was thinking about kid eater. And then I said, oh, I said, wait a minute. I said, uh, wait a second. I forgot something. Um, when she got back out of the car and I got back out of the car and uh, the dog barked again. <laughs> uh, and then I pushed her into the dog and the dog bit her. And she goes, what the hell did you do that for? You got me bit. I said, listen, you owe me one. I could have gotten killed saving your punk ass a long time ago. If you, you don't remember Kid Eater, do you? And she goes, what? And then she shot me in the foot. And I'm like, really? I mean, I saved your life, but you just got me bit. I said, it doesn't really matter. Okay, that's not what's important. Okay, none of that happened. <laughs> so what I'm saying is, is that there's, there's every day, uh, well, the kid eater part happened. The kid eater part happened, the part me pushing the other thing that didn't happen, obviously. But, um, you know, there's everyday heroism out there, my friends. You know, I know you have it in you. I have it in me, you know. And, you know, so, you know, when I look at those things on there where somebody saved somebody, I think about what a gigantic hero I was as a child. And I wonder why I don't have an, a, Mary, a Medal of Freedom and stuff like that, because that was a, that's pretty dangerous, you know, a deadly dog. And I faced down that dog with a punk ass cane to save my sister, you know. Come to think of it, you know, I mean, she never really repaid me for saving her life. Every bit of her, every bit of her life that's gone on since the kitty eater incident, uh, she owes that debt to me. You know, so even though I don't need any money from, think I'm, I'm think I'm gonna borrow some money from her, and then not pay it back, and then she's not gonna ask back for it back right away. First, she'd be going, "Why do you need money?" You know, I normally ask, I normally borrow money from you, you know, because. You know, it's because you're too lazy to go to the ATM machine. Yeah, so I give it right back to you, don't I? Yeah, but still, that whole hour is an hour. I should be getting interest on that money. <laughs> F y'all. But she owes me everything, damn it. You know, she wouldn't have had her four kids if it wasn't for me saving her life back then, damn it. In fact, those four kids, owe, they, they, I should borrow money from them. Even though three are, three are adults and one's still a kid, I should borrow money from the adults and then not pay them back. And then when they're like, oh, can we get that money back? No, you wouldn't exist without me, damn it. I saved your mother's life. Shut up. You know, and then the, the kid, the, the, the young teen, I was thinking, hi, uncle. Is it going to borrow one of your video games? Sure. And then, hey, uncle, could, could you bring the game back? Hell no, punk. If it wasn't for me, your punk ass wouldn't be alive. Shut up. You know, <laughs> okay, I would not do that because that would be embarrassing. <laughs> but we all have heroism in us, my friends, you know. You know, if we, even if you haven't had an opportunity to to use it, you know it's there. I know it's there inside of you. In fact, what I'd like to do is get all my sass bastards in all the countries together. We'll design a uniform and we'll call it... The sass bastard and king bastard hero army. And we'll go around the world saving lives. Yeah. 
granted, I'm, I'm going to need you guys to go out there and do all the dangerous stuff because I'm, I'm your leader. It's, it's important that I stay nice and safe. And then when good things happen, I come out and take all the credit. <laughs> no, you're not going to do that. Oh, F y'all. <laughs> Segment over. Well, 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 my friends, this has been episode number 265 of the S. Anthony Says podcast. And I want to thank you guys very, very much for stopping back for my longtime sass bastards and to my new sass bastards. Once again, if you got to this point, you mean you listen to the whole show. Thank you very, very much. If you like this show, make sure you subscribe on whatever podcatcher that you're listening on. And if you love this show, make sure you rate this program on whatever podcast you and write a nice review if you, if you like this show. This program is everywhere, baby. Everywhere. Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, iTunes, the Podcast Revolution Network. It is everywhere. You know, and um, the home base is santhonysays.podbean.com. But all you really have to do, because this podcast has been around for a while, is you just Google it. Just Google S. Anthony Thomas, which is my name. Google S. The S. Anthony Says Podcast, which is what you're listening to, and it'll pop up, and you know what to do from there. Tell a friend if you think your friend would like to listen to this crap, too. Now, do me a favor. If you can, follow me on social media. I'm on Instagram, S. Anthony Thomas. If you're on Facebook, go up to the top search bar, type in S. Anthony Says. You'll see my verified page there. Please click like, okay, because there's going to be some cool stuff coming up later on this year. Once I begin doing the stand-up again, there's going to be a whole lot of cool stuff coming up. So make sure you subscribe now and click like now, of course. Okay. On Twitter, I'm in two places. For me specifically, my Twitter is at S. Anthony Thomas. My name, at S. Anthony Thomas. The show's Twitter is at S. Anthony Says. And for those of you that don't want to direct message me on Twitter or want to write something a little bit longer, any questions, comments, suggestions, declarations of love then please feel free to email those to me at talk to s anthony at gmail.com t-a-l-k-t-o my name s anthony at gmail.com folks once again um in october it'll be this podcast will be four years old so we got a little bit of time before we get there but we're heading towards it and I want to thank you guys very, very much. You've been you've been loyal. You've been telling friends. You've been really, really nice with the, with the direct messages to yours truly and the email. I really, really appreciate that, man. I mean, it, it may not seem like a big deal to you to write a nice email telling somebody that you dig their show and, and stuff like that. But it really does uh, does does warm a brother's heart. So I really let you know that I really appreciate that. I really, really do. No kidding with that. So, folks, more than anything else, I want to thank you once again for giving me some of your time. You know, thank you for my allowing me into your earbuds, into your minds, into your hearts. I appreciate you. Much love to every last one of my sass bastards all over the world. My sass bastards in Canada, my sass bastards in France, and my ex, my sass bastards in China, my sass bastards in Australia, UK, and of course right here in the USA. And if I haven't said your country, it's because I didn't remember it because I didn't write it down. But that doesn't matter. I love your bastards anyway. You dig? Of course you do. Now I'm going to say goodbye the way I always say goodbye, and I want you to say it with me. You want to say it with me on the count of three? Of course you do. Are you ready? Cool. On the count of three, we're going to do it. One, two, three. S. Anthony.